Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's really tempting to want a kingdom of this world. Because if you haven't realized recently, when you look around and you see the state of affairs of our communities, of our states, of our country, of the world, it's easy just to throw up our hands and think, if only... If only we could have a place here that is perfect. And that notion is nothing new. And if you study history, it's filled with individuals or groups who sought to build a utopia in this world in one way, shape, or form. Even in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in our history, the first group who settled from Germany, when they gathered together as a community, there are some who have called this, and retroactively, there's even a book, And with this initial idea, it's called Zion on the Mississippi. If you've ever been to St. Louis and Perry County, it sure isn't heaven on earth. And so if you expand this out and look at many groups of Christians in our country, they look for the Lord to establish a kingdom on this earth. If you think about a number of years ago, how popular the Left Behind series was, which I espoused to this mindset, I was still in high school. So if you ever watch Fox News, too, many of the religious commentators on there have this view in one way, that God's kingdom will be established at some point, either before some rapture or after it, at the end of the world, that there will be an earthly, heavenly kingdom in Jerusalem. And that also goes hand in hand with a high view of the nation of Israel that still wants to hold on to this idea and think that God's chosen people are that nation. Now, there are many serious things that go along with that line of thinking, which are outside of the scope of our focus tonight. But even with all of this, we see something, though. It goes with how we see ourselves as sinners and how we think about our lives. We want this world to be vindicated in this world here and now. And we want that day when our voice and our view will be that which an earthly entity is formed and exists. We think if only the nation were a Christian nation, then things would be good. If only everyone in our city, our state, our country would confess the Christian faith, then there would be no more strife, no more violence, no more suffering, no more death. That's how we think when it comes to political entities and the culture around us. Now, to be clear, we should pray, vote, and fight for godly rulers in our world that we may Uh, lead peaceful, godly, and quiet lives where the gospel may be preached, where God's people are protected. God commands us to do that. And God's law should be promoted and enforced as this is naturally written on everyone's hearts. And governments should curb sin in our midst. That's what we call the first use of the law, that curb to keep things in order. And we should pray for this to happen among us, but not forget and not lose sight of what this world actually is. And how each and every day there will always be the devil, there will always be others, and there will always be our own fallen flesh, seeking to thwart God's will and work, seeking to do everything against what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. That's the reality of our world. That's the reality of our own hearts. We will not have a perfect earthly kingdom in this world. And we make an idol in our image when we think we can bring it about by our own efforts and our own will. That's sinful. That's something to be warned about when you look at the sphere of this world. 
But this also extends into the church. When we start to define the church and picture it in terms of worldly categories and qualities, we've fallen into that same error. If only we did this or that, then people would come. If only we could get this out, then no one could deny the truth and no one would have any excuse to reject God's word. If only, if only, if only. We think we can mold the church and have it flourish in terms of this world, and that somehow we can convince, reason, and entice, and persuade people into the faith and the Christian life. That, too, is sinful, and not what God calls us to, nor what his church is to be. And so there's a reason in all of this, and God says in Colossians, he says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So what does all this mean? Especially as we gather here tonight and we think about Jerusalem. Well, the Lord teaches you that to be a Christian in this world is to look at God according to, his word, according to his word. It's to set your minds on what he says, even if it may not be what we want to hear. Even if it means coming to grips with the fact that in this life you will live under the cross and you will suffer. And contrary to the late 1980 song by Belinda Carlisle, you can't make heaven a place on earth. Yet this is nothing new. And it's something that man keeps coming back to when he views his redemption and what this means for him now. You think about what was the common issue when Jesus walked the earth concerning who he is. They wanted a Messiah who would deliver them from the rulers, one who would rise up against the Romans, one who would make Israel great again. And even at the ascension, what did the apostles say? In Acts 1, what was it they asked their Lord right as he was leaving away from their sight? Were they saying, Lord, now what? They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They still didn't get it. But you see, here's the thing. God says something amid all of this. And we heard it a few minutes ago. This is what God says. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so we know that on numerous occasions that Jesus says his kingdom is not of this world. And you know what? That's a great thing. Because this world has fallen into sin. This world suffers the wages of that sin all around. All of creation has been corrupted and groans out for redemption. And God is the one who has rescued you from this world. And the one who will create a new place for you. A new Jerusalem where you will live with him and all of God's saints forever. And so the prophet Isaiah spoke of this, even what was spoken in, of Revelation near the end of the entire scriptures. Isaiah said, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. 
God reconciled the world to himself in Christ, which means that peace has been made between you and God, and no longer do you stand as his enemy. And so now, even though you're still in this world, you go through this world as one who has, is an heir of a greater glory. And so the danger is still there, though, to take your eyes off of Christ and reject his word. And that's why God warns you of the seriousness of failing to hear his word and insist that you remain in your sin and seek after false gods. God calls you to repentance. Because even as we see that looking into the future of what awaits us, there is a warning in that, that there is a physical and eternal dwelling place, even for unbelievers. He said, to the thirsty I will give from the springs of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And so while you're still in this world, listen to God's word and repent. Our Lord Jesus went to the city of Jerusalem on many occasions during his life. He went there when he was presented in the temple as a baby, as a child, as an adult. And all of this was his life lived perfectly accord with God's law, as he fulfilled all things. And even as he went to Jerusalem that final time, in order to suffer God's wrath against sin, and be your substitute as he died on the cross. And so Advent began, and it always begins with that triumphal entry of Jesus onto Palm Sunday, right? How does our church year begin with Jesus going into Jerusalem? And that's the image that we always keep in mind as we go through this very short season of the church year. We have that image of what our Lord has accomplished and what, at what great cost. He rode through those streets in this earthly city, and then he was tried and condemned within her walls. And then outside of her walls on Golgotha, the Lord was crucified alongside two criminals, and the people of the city derided him and mocked him. And not long before that, near the end of his time of accomplished salvation, he looked out at the city and he wept because she had rejected him. But he went forward, he suffered for your sake, and he won the day by his death and resurrection for you. The earthly city of Jerusalem had rejected the Lord, and she would see her desolation and destruction of the temple some years later. But it was within all of this that the Lord has won and prepares for you a new Jerusalem, one that knows no end, one that is not of this world. Your new Jerusalem will be created anew as the old passes away. When this will be, we do not know, but we hear God's word and we wait in faith. We listen to what God says in that second reading. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing.
And so that's you. That's you who you are, children of light, walking in this darkened world. Children of light called by God in the waters of your baptism. Repenting of your sin, you know what this future holds as you cling to Christ and his benefits. So you look around and you don't get caught up in the things of this world because your Lord has not destined you for wrath, no. But to obtain salvation even as you have it now. Your eyes are fixed on what is to come as you go through this world and you gather in a little piece of that as you are in the church and gather around to receive God's holy word and sacraments. God's church is your home now and you are a city set on a hill that shines the light of Christ to this world pointing them to Christ, who is the light of the world. And so the church knows who she is, and you know who you will be in that new city for all eternity. So this is your sanctuary now, your ark that goes through, safe as the flood waters all around you. God keeps you safe. He feeds you and sustains you here in this place through his means, and you have his eternal kingdom, veiled now, even in this life, but pointing to that, that future of unveiled, glorious beauty. So listen again to what your Lord promises. He says, And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's what awaits you, dear people of God. That's your future that God tells you. There's a professor at the St. Louis Seminary. To paraphrase him, he says, heaven may be great, but it's not the end of the world. And that's what we see, the end of the world here. The new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth where you will walk with God in this city. Jerusalem the golden, which is your happy home. And so hold that before your eyes and rejoice this third week of Advent, Gaudata Sunday. Rejoice in your Lord who has done it. His kingdom, it's eternal. It's perfect. And it's promised to you. So thanks be to God for the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth that the Lord will create for you and his saints. He does all things well even as he is your crucified and risen Lord. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And you are his, now and forever. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.